This is the SCG podcast, all about the Ashes, of course, and we're all getting very excited. Australia playing England and cannot wait for the Sydney Test, as we know, just after New Year's Eve. Well, a guy that played Test cricket for a long, long time, many Ashes Test matches, both here and overseas. Who could ever forget that Test in 2005? But uh, he has uh, better finishing memories of Test matches played in Sydney. Brett Lee, how are you? <laughs> Tim, I'm good, mate. How's things? Yeah, good. Real good. And, uh, you know, it's great to have life uh, normalising. And, look, it's it's an exciting thing to look forward to, isn't it, an Ashes series? Oh, look, it's tremendous. You know, when you think about the history, what the Ashes stands for as a young kid, all that you want to do is play for Australia if you're a cricket fan and, and, and have some part in playing in the Ashes, which I've been very fortunate enough to do both. So it's a it's a special time of the year as well you know coming up towards christmas time and the the cricket starts up again the the palms are coming out the ashes is on it's going to be an amazing summer what about playing ashes cricket at your home ground the sydney cricket ground well that's my home ground that's that's obviously where i love playing cricket i've played a lot of um you know one day cricket there four day cricket in terms of shield cricket and then obviously having the chance to play for australia in front of my home crowd you know there's there's a lot of special memories you know when you think about you're playing on your home soil, um, and also to the history. You know, when you think about the history of what the SCG stands for, it's an amazing place to play cricket. And as I mentioned, we've had some pretty good memories there. Anything stand out for you in Ashes Test matches? Because they always follow a, a different trajectory, don't they, Ashes Test matches and Ashes series? Yeah, they do. Look, there's there's been a couple of occasions where probably after the 05 Ashes where we lost there in England to come home and, and dominate in uh, 06, 07, that, that to me was a great series because, you know, we wanted that redemption. We, we wanted to make sure that we, um, you know, put up a really good fight, but also didn't want to just try to sort of win, you know, 2-1 or whatever. We want to go like a 5-0 whitewash because we were totally outplayed in 2005. So I think that series, I think on home soil, SCG, um, the sun was shining. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than that. And uh, do you remember any a specific dismissals because there's always big – or there has been big crowds. I remember back a bit when, uh, you know, interest waned a, a little, and this is this is going back quite a way, but over the past, say, two decades at least, we've had capacity stadiums uh, and ca- capacity grounds in Melbourne and Sydney for those first um, – for the, those first couple of test matches. Yeah, look, I think, I think playing um – at the SCG against England in the Ashes and, and bowling against a, a former teammate, Andrew Strauss, you know, the, the skipper back then. He played a lot of uh, cricket for Mossman. And, uh, you know, there was the on, you know, the on-field verbals, which were all part and parcel playing test cricket, but then having a beer after the game. So, you know, play, playing against guys like that, Kevin Peterson, when he came out to Australia, was always, you know, a, a pleasure to play against because he walked out with that ego, that, that controlled aggression, which I really enjoyed. Andrew Flintoff, you know, they had some really big names back then in the early 2000, 2005, six series. So um, those types of guys. But I, I still remember Warney's, Warney's uh, 700th uh, test wicket. That was a, a very special one. And that really set up what was that huge win in Melbourne to come up to Sydney to try and make it the whitewash. And that, that's what happened. Can you hear them? Can you hear the mad Barmy Army singing, yelling, carrying on? I still hear them now. I'm asleep. <laughs> I do. Like... There's, there's one occasion where we're playing here in Sydney and went down in front of uh, what would be the Bay 13 down at Melbourne, um, over in front of, you know, the Steve Wall up where he's lives up there, the um, down that, that sort of pocket of the, the SCG. And 
they had the Barmy Army and they were in full flight. They were singing and carrying on. They've been drinking for a few days and and just sledging me, just absolutely hopping into me. And I picked out this one little guy and Tom to sort of stand up, which he was. And I knew he was standing up because he's only about five foot taller. So, he, <laughs> you know, he needed a booster seat. And all of his mates from the Barmy Army just gave him grief. And then we had dinner that night and I walked past we'll, Returned back to the team hotel and they were, they were in the pub and they were still drinking. And I saw this little fella and he was the, the sort of main dude from the Barmy Army. And I walked straight up to him and he thought, geez, what's, what's going to happen here? I said, what are you drinking? He goes, a beer. So I bought him a beer. I said, boys, love the churns, love the sledging. We'll see you tomorrow on the field. And I walked straight out, went back home, went to bed. Next morning I went down there and they were like just bowing over, clapping me. So I won the boys over. It cost me four dollars for a beer, and it was the best four bucks I ever spent. Tell you what, well they say uh, you 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 know you be nice to people under the, that whole bee honey thing, and it uh, comes your way. But over in England, uh, it must just be nauseating. I I know that Mitchell Johnson, boy oh boy, he copped. Yeah, and look, it's 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 hard to me because you know when you're trying to play cricket, you don't know how far you're going to go. You know, you obviously want to go to the top and then you've got the the pressure upon trying to score runs or take wickets. But then when you throw in the different elements of the Barmy Army or the Australian crowd sometimes, the publicity, negative or positive, um, you know, from the press, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, you have to really get used to. And, for you know, for some guys, they don't read the press. I don't really always believe that that comment. I think everyone reads the press, but it's how you deal with with what you read and how you sort of you know just push it aside. But yeah, Mitchell Mitchell cop- copped a horrible time when when he went back over to England, and you know the Barmy Army got on top of him. He was going through you know a bit of a difficult time in his life and his career, um, but he came out the other side. But yeah, we, we as teammates, we're just trying to be there and, and and really get behind him and rally behind him, but. As soon as the, the Barmy Army, they get a sniff, as soon as they sniff that blood that there's a weakness or someone's taking offence to it, that's when they go to town. But I will say, hand on heart, I love the Barmy Army. I think they're fantastic for the game. Um, and I, I, I can't wait to see them back out here in Australia. I just can't wait until things open up properly, you know, or back to massive crowds again. People will be allowed to come at least to New South Wales uh, and not quarantine at all. So that really does seem normal again, doesn't it, Brett? Yeah, like the fact that you can you can come to New South Wales when you're double vaccinated and, and, and go back to a normal life. So, you know, that's the reason why we've done all these these hard yards in lockdown, you know, people getting out there and getting vaccinated and, and making sure they're taking care of themselves and also taking care of others. But the fact that November 1, you can travel overseas or come to New South Wales and not have to hotel quarantine. That That's probably – I've done it many, many times, Timmy, over the last couple of years. It's really hard when you, you're so close to home but you're locked up for two more weeks. Oh, yeah, brutal, absolutely brutal, I could imagine. I haven't done it but, um, you know, just the thought of it um, has made me uh, sort of think twice about doing a couple of a couple of things but that does – it opens up everything, doesn't it? Now – Let's have a look at 2005 because, you know, you and I after that and many years after that worked on coverages together at Channel 9 and and I was working on that coverage on 2005 back here in Australia. Um, that moment where uh, Andrew Flintoff uh, sort of led over and you were on your haunches, you guys had worked so hard, you and Casper, it was a, an amazing finish. Uh, it's etched in memory as one of the great Ashes moments. How do you remember it? Well, I think, we, you know, when you said it's etched in history, which it is, but it's it's the fact now they actually use that photo or that image, that, that still moment uh, in time as the, the, the Spirit of Cricket Award, which I'm 
really proud to be a part of. And the fact that, you know, it was a wonderful, you know, part of the game where there was so much hostility by the bowling unit. They were trying to get us out. There was bounces. There were people getting hurt. I mean, I, I, I think I'd cracked a rib and, you know, been hit on the, the hands and the ribs several times. But just just the way that it was played and the spirit in which the game was played, that to me is the best way to play sport. You know, you play as hard as you can on the field and then off the field you enjoy yourself. So the fact that, you know, and a lot of people have asked me what was said, I can't recall the exact words, but something along the lines of, you know, your little bugger, and I'll, I'll, I'll choose my words very carefully, Timmy. Mm, you know, your yeah. little bugger, you know, you um, you almost got there, but I'll see inside for a cold beer, which is typical Andrew Flintoff. He's a, he's a terrific guy. And, you know, within three or four minutes of the game finishing, and they're all out celebrating, the Barmy Army going crazy, the Australian supporters are so disappointed, uh, packed crowd. We are inside the change room, myself and Andrew Flintoff having a cold beer, and he kept poking me in the ribs where he hit me three or four times um, the over before. So, look, that's that's a, a very, very special time in my career. And also, I I think, strange enough, one of my favourite test series to play in and probably one of my favourite games that I've been involved in, even though that we didn't win, it just goes to show that, you know, you try your hardest and sometimes it's not good enough. And it, we, we weren't good enough on that particular day, but, you know, Without using a cliche, you know, cricket was definitely the winner on that on that occasion. Oh, and you were going to go on and get a hundred as well. You were unbeaten on 43. 43. It was a beautiful forty three, and and, and, and Cass- never Cass- scored a hundred, not even in the backyard. <laughs> oh, against Shane, you must have. Uh, yeah, the uh, but but it was uh, yeah, and Casper, poor old Casper, the nicest bloke in the universe. Just you know, just edge that one to to Garant Jones. I mean, it. Uh, he is one of the nicest guys of all time, too, isn't he, Casper? He is, and and look, you know, you. Also, hear a lot of ex-English um, players now and commentators, and they said that if we had DRS back then, Casper wouldn't have been out. Now, look, I don't, I know that's technically true because his hand was off the bat when the ball touched his glove, and that, in cricket terms, is not out. But I have to go with the call that Billy Bowden made, and I think he made the right call under those circumstances. So I'm, I'm not, you know, livid or point that, that that call went against us. It, w- it was probably the right call at that time. Um, but as you know, as you mentioned, Casper, the world's nicest guy, probably the sweatiest guy I've ever met in my life. I mean, this this guy would sweat in the fridge. He would. He's uh, he's a he's a difficult character to uh, to bat in a bowl with when he's um, in full flight. But yeah, just a wonderful guy. And, and you sort of had some kind of redemption, didn't you, with him in his last Test match against South Africa in that cut shot. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that was, uh, I think, in Joburg from memory and we were pretty much in the same situation. I was back with Casper and I went down to him and he started laughing. I said, here we go again, mate. I said, I watched a movie last night. I forget what the movie was called. There was this guy who was stuck in the snow. He went down an ice cave and I said, well, we are in the ice cave at the moment, but the good news, Casper, is that at the end of this movie, this guy found his way out. He struggled through it. He got through and survived. I said, that's going to be us. We're not going to go down again this time. We're going to do it. And we did it. And, uh, yeah, that, that was a really, really good feeling for us to win, to know that Casper and I had somehow turned what in a lot of people's eyes were a negative into a positive and, you know, get us over the line against the Springboks. Do you reckon 2002, that series in Perth where, you know, obviously you struck Alex Tudor with one of a ball, you were bowling so such so blindingly fast, the wicket, the the conditions. How do you reflect on on that series in particular, that test match? That, that was a test match that uh, had a, a lot of 
aggression with it. And, you know, you're mm. playing on Perth. There was a lot said, a lot said in the press, that, you know, about our bowlers, uh, in particular me, about the speeds they were bowling. And, you know, that probably sort of tried to rev me up a fair bit. But I remember Alex Tudor, you know, he sort of came in. This this guy just came off 100. You know, he got a got a big 100, um, you know, batting at number eight. So he can definitely bat. He's a, a genuine all-rounder. And when I was out there batting, he just kept bouncing me. Bouncing me, I was batting with Steve War at one stage, and I said, "All right, mate, you know, you'll you'll get your chance when you get a bat." And as soon as he came out to bat, Steve War he knew exactly what was going on, was waiting, and took the second new ball and said, "You know, rough him up," which is all part of the game. And mm. I want to also say very clearly that I, I never like people getting hurt. I didn't mind people getting scared and trying to intimidate batsmen in order to then try to get that wicket. You know, there's nothing I was scaring the. The tripe out of him, as, as you know, a few commentators would say. You know, you get stuck in, but you want to make sure you get their wicket. I came in the bowl. I think it was the third ball of the second new ball, and it went straight through his grill. And he had – I remember having a big gap between the bottom part of his – the peak of his his helmet and the grill. So, obviously, you know, for those that don't watch a lot of cricket, you, you want to have a gap small enough that the cricket ball can't fit through. I mean, without yeah. stating the obvious. He had a really, really big gap between the top of his grill and the peak of his helmet and unfortunately went through and and fractured his eye socket. You know, he didn't really play after that and I felt horrible. I went up to see him, you know, after games, said, mate, I'm so sorry. And he just put his arm around me and said, mate, that's cricket. You know, I, I bounced the, the living hell out of you and you bounced me back and that's all part of the game. I should have had my grill up higher. So, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, deterred by the fact that we tried to sort of, you know, intimidate and get him out, and that, that was part of the game. It is, isn't it? it uh, that and, and part of Ash's series, and I suppose when you go out to the SCG and you mentioned the history of the SCG in the past of, the, you know, the dressing room, and you can't say it too many times, can you, that that was where Sir Donald Bradman sat and, you know, that's where Harold Larwood bowled and it it, it has memories uh, probably only Lords have. Yeah, well, you know, you think about people say, you know, Lords is the home of cricket and I, I'm happy for them to have that tag. But, I mean, Sydney is, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, the most in, incredible place to play cricket because of the history. And, and those two names that you mentioned, Bradman, you know, Harold Larwood, that, those types of superstars from, from from different sides playing in the Ashes, you know, you've only got to walk into – and th- those who are lucky enough to ever go on a tour, and I, I would definitely recommend go, go on a tour when it opens up again to the SCG. If you're lucky enough to ever walk foot into, you know, the the sort of New South Wales and the Australian team dressing room, it's a, it's a sacred place. It's the place where we felt comfortable away from the press, away from the crowd where we can just be ourselves. But when you walk into the SCG and you walk into, you know, up past the members, you get into the rooms itself and you go to that back room where we all sit, they have these chairs. And about 15 years ago, they wanted to get rid of these green chairs. And we were like, no, 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 no way. These chairs have been recoded with paint probably 20 or 30 times and they're wooden seats and they've got sprig marks or spike marks all over the seats. And I can promise you those spikes mark would have come from guys like Bradman, you know, guys like who have played through this, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s and so on. And that's a massive part of Australian history. You know, the fact that we're sitting on those chairs where Don Bradman may have sat, you know, where um, Harold Larwood, you know, would, would have came in and popped his, his leg up on the, the stool or the chair or the seat and, you know, had a cold beer with the Aussie boys. So they are great memories, not to mention also too that after a big test win, we tap our bat three or four times and there's a cellar 
below our uh, change room and they would um, invite us down for a nice cold beer or a glass of wine. So some wonderful memories, mate, and stuff that, you know, doesn't get seen by the public. That's that's our special little area and it's a, it's a very sacred little area that we um, called home for many, many years. Was it your favourite place? And, and what about the reception you'd get from from the members, the fantastic SCG yeah, members? De- definitely my favourite place to play cricket. I mean, there are some beautiful grounds around you know, Australia, some, some amazing grounds around the world, but there's nothing like your home crowd. So when you um, are playing for Australia, you've got the baggy green cap on, you know, you've uh, put on, you know, 400 in the first innings, the boys have batted well, and then you're coming out to bowl, sun shining, and you walk down through the members and the members, the 50-year-old members, they'll slap you on the back as you walk past and give you that little bit of encouragement. You walk down through the race, you walk out in the ground, you touch the turf as you as you go over from the concrete onto that beautiful grassy area, and and then just look around. You look at the Bradman stand. You, know, you look at the the different um, stadiums and stands that are around the SCG, and it's just I'm at, I still get goosebumps. The big crowds yeah. that are in, you know, the the Sydney Test is one that you've got to go and witness. And and for those that haven't been to a Sydney Test match. Do yourself a favour, go out and watch because the atmosphere is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And look, I've been going since a boy, been very fortunate to cover so many uh, there as well. And it is magical. It's a magical time of year. How do you reckon they'll go, England? How do you think this series is going to turn out? I know they've they've named a team, but when you think, uh, being that they've got England A coming out at the same time, they're going to have players in and around the Big Bash. I reckon that there'll be others used apart from the squad that they've named. I think I think you're right with that. Um, first on the squad that they've named, look, I reckon they've got a, a very good team. You think of Joe, Joe Root, what he can do from a, a batting point of view, has been in terrific form, obviously captain. Jimmy Anderson, I mean, J- James Anderson, what, 630-odd mm. test wickets, a phenomenal record. I don't care what anyone says if he plays a lot of cricket over in the UK, but he has got an unbelievable record, and his partner in crime, Stuart Broad, I mean, he's got over 500 test wickets. They are, you know, possibly, if not the best attack ever in world cricket, you know, to take that that red ball. Then you throw in, you know, you got Rory Burns and you got um, Dave Milan, who's obviously come out as well, and Chris Wokes, Mark Wood. I mean, they've, they've got some quality players. And, yeah. and there's even talk in the town that Stokes might be uh, a chance mm. of coming back. I don't know how true that is. I'm, I'm hearing whispers. I really hope that is because I think an English side with, um, you know, Kiwi Ben, as they call him. Yeah, that's funny. He, he needs to be in the team in order for, for England to give it a real red-hot crack. But. Australia, it's not going to be a walk in the park for the Aussies. You know, the Poms are going to come at us pretty hard. We've got a great lineup, bowling lineup, but the batting is, well, it's got brilliance there, obviously, and, it, you know, and Steve Smith and, and, and ageing Dave Warner and Labuschagne, but uh, they're not completely convincing at this point, are they, the batting lineup? Yeah, look, a lot of people use that term an ageing Dave Warner, and I don't mm. necessarily agree with that because I, I just, the way David Warner first was treated throughout the IPL, you know, being dropped as, you know, always up there with the leading run scorer, it really affected his confidence. And I know I've played a lot of cricket with David Warner and, and a, you know, a, a close mate. I know that when he's down, he will work so hard in order to to prove to everyone and also to prove himself how good he is. He's only, what, 34 years of age. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of cricket left in him. He's going to have a huge summer. You throw in Stephen Smith, who's hungry for runs as well. But, you know, you, you – Lubbershane, 100%. You know, he's ticked. He, he knows where his spot is. To me, it's who partners Warner at the top of the innings. You've got, you know, Burns is putting his hand up. 
Pekoski, unfortunately, been, he's been hit again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Australia needs a really strong opening partnership, and they've got that with Warner, but who's the plus one? Then you throw in the, you know, the, the all-rounders. I mean, Travis Hedge's been in great form in the, the sort of one-day comp. Cameron Green, you know, I think is a great find for Australia. And then, you know, the, the, the fast bowlers, you know, the three three quicks pick themselves along with Nathan Lyon. Australia's got a very good attack, but I'm waiting to see what's going to be the top five for Australia in terms of their batting. Yeah, and that, that that's the thing, isn't it? There's so much talent there. They've just got to, to get it right. There's uh, so much intrigue, as there always is, and obviously all the, the drama. Hopefully they've put that behind them with Justin Langer as well, so they've got a harmonious dressing room. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. I, I can only comment on what I know about Justin Langer. He's a terrific guy. He's a passionate guy, mm. and... You know, you want a guy that's in charge of the Aussie cricket team in terms of a coach that's got some passion. I mean, if you get in trouble for being too passionate, well, where, where's the sense in that? You know, you don't want someone that's in there that's a, a fence. You don't want someone that's going to just be a yes-man type thing. You want someone that's going to challenge the players, and that's Justin Langer. So I, I'm I'm a Justin Langer fan. I've played a lot of cricket with him. He's a teammate. He's, a you know, a friend as well. And I think he's done a great job with the Australian cricket team. So, yeah, look, he... He want to make sure too that when you know the test match starts that they'll be ready to go, you know, and give it a real red hot crack. What I will wish for, if I could have a Christmas wish list, is that whoever the first team is in terms of the eleven, give them three tests. Don't don't just sort of chop and change and you know like different conditions and stuff. I understand that if it's a total spinning wicket, then they're going to have to play two spinners. But I want guys to feel comfortable and not look over their shoulders. So if they can get six opportunities with the bat. Three games, do it. And I reckon that will really, really build some stability amongst the Australian cricket team and just take the pressure off these guys coming through trying to make a name for themselves. We'll bring it on. Hopefully we'll get some good weather. Do you have a, uh, a Glenn McGrath-like prediction of how the series will go? As he always says, if there was three tests with 3-0 or 7-0, whatever, whatever it is, right, McGrath will always call it. They will not win a, a match. I don't know. I, I, I think England are going to come, as I said before, very, very hard Australia. What I will predict, we will know exactly, I think, who will win the series generally after the first session on the first day of the first test. Battle ball, that's obviously when you can see who's under pressure the most, uh, who, who, who will grasp that opportunity, whether it's, you know, scoring and being none down at, um, you know, at lunch or, or three or four wickets down. That will tell us what's going to happen. Yeah, well, cannot wait for cannot wait for the Sydney Test match. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, the SCG podcast, as we look towards the Ashes and giving us your reflections of not only what the Ashes means, but your time in it. And uh, we can't wait to see you around at the SCG during the Test match, Brett. Can't wait to get back to the SCG, mate. I love it. I miss it. 